Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best mysteries, thrillers, and suspense novels directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here with Roderick Vincent, the author of The Cause, a thriller set in the not-too-distant future of 2022. Rick, welcome. Thanks, Stephen. Um, thanks for having me on the show. Well, it's a pleasure. You and I have been digital friends for quite quite some time now and have communicated often, but this is the first time I've ever heard your voice. Uh. All right. Well, let's get started by talking about The Cause. The Cause is your first full-length novel. I know you've written some short stories and you've been writing and studying for years, but this is your first full-length novel. So give us a little author's overview uh, of The Cause. Really, uh, The Cause is my first published novel, as you said. Um, Really, when I started this little project, I was thinking about how I can create something, a thriller that's fast-paced and action-oriented, but also has a literary slant to it. Some of the books that I really liked in the past um, that kind of fit that mold were uh, Spy Who Came In From The Cold by John Le Carre. Mm -hmm. It's not so obvious in the way he he approaches plot. It, It makes the reader work a little bit, and I wanted to have a little bit of that element to the cause. So I, I wanted to, as well something directed at modern issues, uh, in particular militarization of the police force, advanced robotics that we see nowadays, quantum computers, hacking, those sort of um, themes to it. it I, I consider the cause really a character-driven novel, hopefully, um, where I'm not creating stereotypes. Um, Is Corvus, for example, is my main protagonist, and he's an African-American hacker, so not your typical <laughs> hacker that you would think of with with uh, glasses and the, the, the dweeb look. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's, uh, he's involved in one of the state-of-the-art quantum computers. And what where his journey starts is really in Silicon Valley. He gets... Uh, caught hacking a CEO's computer and really banished from Silicon Valley. And that leads him to L.A. where he becomes a police officer and he's involved in some uh, rioting that's going on. Uh, Eventually, he makes his way over to the CIA where he uh, graduates from CIA camp. And that really is essentially the beginning of the novel where the rest is a bit of backstory. Mm -hmm. And so what happens afterwards is he has the opportunity uh, with some other recruits to go to a black ops training camp um, that is off the grid, uh, off the CIA books. It's sort of like a Blackwater organization. And what happens is when he gets there, he finds out that the leaders of this camp are a group of revolutionaries who kind of want to bring the U.S. back to its constitutional roots. So it's a bit futuristic in this way in that um, the government uh, has become a little more nefarious than it has before. Uh, So there's been an economic collapse in a little bit in the future and essentially asks um, what happens at the point where uh, where government becomes a little more self-serving than what we have currently in the current future. So the, on the flip side of the coin, I, I give uh, General uh, Montgomery's point of view, who is the NSA director. And Montgomery is a uh, family man. 
He loves his family, uh, but he will do anything to kind of keep hold the U.S. together, and um, he he will do anything to hold rule of law. So you have these um, kind of dual characters, and I hope that the the book itself kind of has a book club appeal to it. I'm I'm trying to ask the the reader certain questions, such as what is a patriot, what is a traitor. What is a revolutionary and, and what is a terrorist? Um, I try to blur the lines here a bit and, and, and try to get the reader's own opinion on what some of those things might be. Now, these are big questions, and that's that themes like this in a book, especially in a, in a first published novel, that's pretty ambitious. Did you, did you think when you started, was this the plan from the beginning? It was, sort of. I wanted to create something uh, that really made the reader think a little bit. Mm-hmm. It has it has a bit I'm not sure if you're familiar with that uh series Homeland uh yes. television series. Uh-huh. It sort of has that type of uh idea to it. In the cause what's happening is the CIA is actually infiltrating the CIA. And uh opinions are split here. Um so I, I try to present a future where opinion could be a little more split and, and what is right and what is wrong and, and what exactly is truth. Those are some of the, the questions that I ask. So the leader of this camp, his name is C, um, and he's able to change mind. He's very char- charismatic, and he, he pulls recruits to, to kind of his way of thinking. But uh, what he's asking is maybe uh, deemed not the most uh, ethical uh, <laughs> ethical plot, really. Mm-hmm. So it, why – 2022. I mean, it, it, is, is this, were you looking forward and, and thought, I want to have something that's close enough that I can almost reach out and touch it? Or uh, just why 2022? I know, I know that uh, the Eve Dallas series, for example, I think is up to 2052 now, and it's far enough in advance that we can all say, oh yeah, this whiz-bang stuff might really be happening in, in 2052. But in 2022, it's, that's kind of right around the corner. Right. Um, it might have been a mistake, honestly. Uh, <laughs> but um, but uh, I wanted to keep it topical to what we see today, and mm-hmm. and maybe uh, and uh, with so so it isn't so far out in the future that it becomes a kind of dystopian Hunger Games or or something like that. I wanted to keep it a little closer. I'm probably early on, uh, you know, uh, a little bit early on the timing of everything, but um, I, I just wanted to keep it a little present um, in people's minds, I suppose. Uh, one reviewer actually said it was it was like reading uh, Yoda and and Luke Skywalker on the dialogue, which actually made me laugh. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it made me laugh because I love I love those kind of I, I love that kind of dialogue there. Uh-huh. So. So that's the kind of feel it has. Okay. Now, you you have lived around the world. You went to college in California. You grew up, I think, in the Marshall Islands, and you live in Switzerland now. And that's right. So do you feel like that gives you a, a, a special insight in, into writing a novel like this? 
it, it helps. Uh, I, I do have. I do feel like I have an international perspective on things. Um, one of the reasons I did write the book um, was because of concern of what we see going on in the U.S. a little bit. Um, when Edward Snowden came out and revealed some of the programs, uh, such as Prism, going on with the NSA, uh, it is a little bit disconcerting, and that's kind of one of the themes I wanted to explore in this in this novel, uh, the slow creep of our freedoms being taken away. And I, I really do feel American, even though I've lived some other places. I, I, I have a strong association with my country and it's and being away from my country and seeing um, seeing some of some things happen um, is disconcerting to me and was uh, a, a motivation to uh, to write the book. I've heard that from other people who are living in other countries and then come back on a semi-regular basis, and it's uh, I've, I've heard that, heard them say that it's almost shocking sometimes when they come back and notice all these subtle changes that we've sort of absorbed without giving it much thought. Uh, it's true. Uh, I do come back and I see little things change. Now, I'm I'm really more of an optimist. I, I do think uh, I, I you know, but um, one of the things we can do in fiction is actually uh, exaggerate the future, and and it is an exaggeration. Um, but uh, you know, it's good. Like 1984 was a huge exaggeration mm-hmm. of, of the future. Um, but there was a lot of truth within that, and in other words, fiction can um, can allow us to see truth in something that that really is is false. And as as readers and movie viewers, we seem to love this. I don't know. You described yourself as optimistic. I am as well. I I don't see disaster around every corner, but with movies and books and things, sometimes it's kind of fun to to read a what if kind of scenario to, to just get you thinking a little bit. And that's exactly right, and that's what I've tried to do, tried to do here um, with with the cause is come up with a compelling story where you're, you're uh, the main protagonist is torn between two different sides, and and that's the way I kind of wanted to present it um, uh, on uh, one side uh, on both sides really uh, of one side where the government has become. Um, too intrusive uh, on the other side where the revolutionaries might be considered uh, terrorists as well. So, mm-hmm. so um, which side is right? It, it's an interesting question, and it, it's, it's great that you pose it in the book. You mentioned Edward Snowden earlier, and we have these things that come up, these, these encroachments on our freedom, uh, the NSA, and it's, it's a little disturbing to me that we've We've kind of skipped right over outrage with a lot of these things, and we've moved to the joking stage where it's just, you know, we make jokes about the NSA recording everything rather than being outraged about it. Right. Well, I think it's one of the things we see in America is that people are really tied to their devices. They they love their devices. Mm -hmm. And maybe it isn't such so important um, to them. And that is one thing that should be of concern because these things happen slowly. It, it, it's it, it's little steps. Uh, one of the thing, one of the books that I actually read as research for this, um, uh, there's a journalist, James Bamford, who writes for Wired magazine. And um, he's written several books on the NSA. And one of the main ones was The, the Shadow Factory. Um, 
And uh, a lot of that, I, I took I took some 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 of his uh, concepts in there and fictionalized some of the stuff. Um, and there's an actual uh, truth in the cause section at the end that where I talk about what's actually true and what's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that might be interesting for readers. And does that surprise people when they get to the end and realize that so much of this is truth? That's an interesting question. Um, a, a lot of people have said, at least through a lot of reviews, is that, they, that the novel made them think, mm-hmm. um, that they've seen elements, that topical elements to it, uh, which, are tr- which, which are more or less true. Um, but again, this is, this is fiction. This is, uh, as well, just um, something to hopefully uh, uh, turn the screws on the brain a little bit. All right, so I'm talking to you now, and in my own mind, I'm, if, if I didn't know a little bit about you already, I kind of imagine you as this sort of really technical, hackerish kind of guy who's really into computers and technology, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I saw on your website that you have a, a degree in, in music. That's right. Um, I am a little bit of a hacker still, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I've I've, uh, I've done some music as well. Uh, when I was um, when I was eighteen or nineteen, I uh, I went to a Christopher Parkening master class in Montana, and he's one of the best in the world, really. And that was an, an incredible experience. So music as well for me has helped me in my writing in the fact that you you look for voice, uh, you have expression. Uh, there's a lot of similarity in it. And um, being a classical guitarist and having that discipline as well, uh, it takes a lot of discipline to become oh a good my classical gosh. guitarist. Yes. You have to practice. On, on, I was practicing four to six hours a day um, when I was – was when I was at my best, uh, but now I've uh, slacked off a little on that. <laughs> I remember as a child learning to play the guitar and my fingers bleeding, and I did not have the kind of discipline to fight through that. I, uh, I quickly moved in, into uh, a brass instrument. <laughs> <laughs> well, which one did you play? I played the trumpet, then the trombone, and I wound up playing the tuba in the, in the high school band by the time I got there. And I wow. really enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed being in the band. I enjoyed playing the bass role in with music because it's it's really easy to understand as opposed to some other components of, of music. The bass the bass line is, is pretty easy to catch. And oftentimes you don't even need the music. You can just wing it. Yeah, I understand. I used to play uh, rock guitar as well, and uh, you have a lot of that winging it. <laughs> All right. Tell us, uh, tell us one thing that surprised you as a debut novelist, something that, you, that happened that just shocked you. Well, um, I would say one thing are the reviews. I, w- I was um, very happy to see some really kind of – I had a vision that, um, that hopefully it would – it would uh, touch some people in the right way in terms of getting them to think a bit. And um, a lot of the reviews have come in that way. And, uh, and it was nice to see that, that, that vision of kind of what I had in mind of what um, my audience would like, uh, they actually like. So that was a surprise. And that's, that's really cool because sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes you, you spend all this time to write a book, you publish the book, it comes out and you get, Three reviews. You've you've had dozens and dozens of reviews. Most of them wildly popular. 
or positive. Yeah, I hope to build on that on future novels. Uh, I, I am working on a sequel right now, and uh, I'm hoping, hopefully, we'll have some good input on that in terms of um, which way to turn it. Uh, so I kind of left the first first ending up in the air. So we'll see what happens with the next one. Okay, and you're calling the series or the potential series the Minuteman series. That's correct, yeah. Okay, so for for people who are into this kind of thing and and just love this kind of this kind of fiction, what's the best way for readers to keep up with you and be notified when uh, the next book comes out? Sure. One one thing you can do is join my email list on roderickvincent.com. I I just recently ran um, uh, three short stories for my email subscribers free, which is really actually starting to become the prequel to the cause. Really? Uh, So, yeah, yeah. So it's a good way to get feedback from people. And I took a couple of characters from the cause and and, um, wrote some short stories stories on that. I think you told me you've done something similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a good way to get feedback and um, and also uh, show show your readers, give your readers something something nice. That's, that's a really, it's a great idea. And so if I signed up for your email list today, would I have access to those prequel short stories? I'm going to publish them on my site next because, okay. you know, I, I distributed them to uh, to to just my email list, and now I'll go back and um, and put them on my site. But if you're on my email list, I'm I'm really doing things for my email list uh, first and foremost. I'll, I will do it for those those people that are on my list. Okay, and I can tell people that I've read some of your short fiction. You wrote a a fabulous short story, uh, a fictionalized short story that took place on the Marshall Islands years ago that I really enjoyed. So it, you you have a real knack for storytelling. Thanks so much, Stephen. And thank you for being with us today, Rick. I appreciate it. Thanks, Stephen. This is Stephen Campbell for CrimeFiction.fm. You can find us on iTunes and on the web at www.CrimeFiction.fm. If you are an iTunes listener, please subscribe and give us a rating or a review. That will help other crime fiction readers find great new titles like The Cause from Roderick Vincent. Thanks for listening.